All right, we are so excited about our Abide Nights coming up. We used to do them BC before COVID, and that was one of the things that we just haven't brought back yet, but we're so excited to bring them back this year because it's a great opportunity for our church for a couple reasons. One, both campuses get to come together and worship together. Uh, and so people from our Friday night, on Friday night, I believe people from our Jasper campus will be leading us. And then Saturday, people from Canton will be leading us. I think that's correct. It may be backwards. I don't know. You can ask somebody. But we're excited to come together from both locations. And then two, it's a great way to end the fast together as a church. Because we, you know, we do this whole season of prayer and fasting for us to pray, to read the word, to fast together. But it, it, there's kind of a corporate element to it. And I understand sometimes, you know, when we read verses that, you know, when Jesus tells us to fast, not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. And, and that doesn't mean that we should never do it together because you see all throughout the Old Testament where they would have these corporate fasts together for specific reasons at specific times. And so these worship nights are just a great way to come together as one body and end the fast together and really kind of punctuate the end of it where we sing and we pray and we cry out to God collectively together. And so particularly if you're new to our church, this is a great way to come, uh, get to know new people, experience this season together. And then on Sunday, we will break the fast together. And so we're so excited about these nights coming up. You don't have to register for them, but if you do have children, it would be very helpful if you could pre-register them so that we know that those kids are coming. Uh, again, it doesn't mean that they can't show up if you don't register, but it's just super helpful for us to plan ahead of time for that. Uh, and so make sure you mark that on your calendar, Friday night, Saturday night, the third and the fourth. Some good friends of mine are coming to preach and I can't wait for you to meet them, to hear from them, uh, and just really for us to cry out to God collectively together. So make sure you mark that down. Now, as we jump into our message this week, pray with me as we get started. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for just the amazing opportunity we have weekly to gather together, to sing, to have the scriptures preached. Um, and God, as always, we don't want to take that for granted as this is happening in multiple locations. And God, as we open up your word now, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us as always, to see the truth that you have in these words for us. God, we really believe that these words can create worlds in our life, can create something out of nothing. And particularly this text today, God, I pray that you would speak to us through it. As always, help me to communicate it in a way that honors you and is helpful to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been here for the last several weeks, we've been talking about hungering for something else other than food. And for those of you that are participating in the fast and have been uh, not eating certain things or maybe not eating at all, you are now acutely aware of the concept of hunger. You know, when you, when you take food away, you have a hunger. There's something just natural, because obviously we have to live on food. But when you take food away, it forces you to kind of refocus your mind and to kind of redirect that hunger elsewhere. And that's the whole point of the fast. And so we've been talking about hungering for holiness and righteousness. And then last week, we talked about developing habits or adding habits to our holiness because uh, our, our desires, our wants are really habituated. And the whole concept comes from the the idea, not only the Beatitudes that Jesus told us, but the idea that we want to see God. And we've said, you know, we really are what we want. Our wants are what direct what we do. And so this whole concept of wanting to see God and, and without holiness, we can't see God. So therefore, we are hungering for God. We are hungering and thirsting for righteousness so that we can see God. That's why we develop habits. 
And fasting is a great habit for us to develop, a great spiritual discipline. And, and obviously, that's not the sum total of spiritual disciplines. We've been adding in uh, reading. I hope you've been working your way through our Abide Guide as well. I would strongly encourage you to journal as you do that, whether you write on the guide that we printed out or you, you just use that and write on something else. And then pray those scriptures, the whole reap method. And then there's other spiritual disciplines that you can continue to add in your life, like solitude and silence and different kinds of spiritual disciplines. Again, all these habits, because it habituates us into holiness. And as I was thinking about that concept of desire and want to, I came across another quote. In fact, I've seen this quote many, many times. It's actually out of a children's book that was written by a Frenchman years and years and years ago. And so I'm going to read you the quote, and I'm going to do my best to say his name because it is a French guy's name. All right, but here's the quote. I love this. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. His name is Antoine de Saint-Expuray. I don't know how you say that in French. All right, I'm better with Spanish. I'm sure that's not how you say it. But I love this quote because what he's talking about really is the concept that we've been discussing. You know, if you want to build a ship, don't just tell people, here's the wood, here's what you need to do. You need to first make them long for, and I love how he says it, the, it, what was it, the endless immensity of the sea. If you think about that in our same way, I think a lot of times the reason why so many of us struggle with spiritual disciplines is because people just told us what to do. Read your Bible, pray, fast, give, all that stuff. But they didn't step back first and tell us to long for the endless immensity of God to long for God. And if you long for God, if you want God, then you'll do what you need to do to get what you want. You'll build a life. He was obviously talking about building a ship to go out on the sea. Well, if you want to go out on the sea, if you want to experience the endless, I mean, it feels endless if you've ever been out on the ocean, the endless immensity of the sea, well, then you're going to build a ship because that's what you need to do to experience that. And so the same concept is what I want us to think about in our own lives. So often we don't have this longing for God. We don't have this, this desire or this want to, to see the endless immensity of God. But if we can get that, if we can get this longing, if we can understand, I mean, God is inexhaustible. To me, that's the craziest thing about heaven. Even though we will be in heaven forever, we will never figure out God. He's that endless. I mean, he's eternal, right? I mean, we will never fully understand God. So for all eternity, he, he will never be exhaustible. We can never completely figure him out. It will always be this endless longing and satisfaction in him. I know when I used to think about heaven as a kid, I was like, well, it just seems kind of boring. be like an angel floating around playing a harp all the time, right? But that's not the concept. It's, it's there's this endless, immense God that you can see and experience for all eternity, and you'll never get bored of him. So if we have that as our vision, if we have that as our desire, that as our want to, then we will develop habits. Then we will direct our hunger towards seeing God. And then what I want to do today, in fact, if you have a Bible, we're not going to be in John, ironically enough. All right, we're going to be in Matthew. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. What I want to do now, you know, the very first week of this series, we went to Matthew and talked about the Beatitudes. Now I want to look at the end of the sermon. Now I want to look at Jesus's statement at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He began it with Beatitudes, hungering, thirst, you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And now at the end of it, he really gives a challenge. And I want to look at this challenge because, you know, we've talked over the last 
two weeks of hungering and having habits. And now I want to talk about what will happen if we take to heart those two messages. If we take to heart the words that Jesus said in those two messages. And that's exactly how Jesus is going to reference it. So let's go Jesus. Uh, let's go Jesus. It's about Jesus, but it's in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29 is where we'll be. Jesus says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus is giving a metaphorical picture here. In fact, this message, I preached a version of it in January of 2014. And this has become one of my most favorite concepts to think about because I think it's really understandable. We can get it. And one of my favorite authors of all time, a Christian psychologist named Henry Cloud, who's written a ton of different types of books, leadership books, uh, all types of, you know, books to help us understand how we grow. In fact, our whole mission statement as a church, Grow People, came from his book that I read in seminary called How People Grow. And so I love him. He has been hugely influential in my life. And he talked about this concept years ago when I first heard this about being a wise person or a foolish person. And Jesus is going to really help us understand the difference between the two. And the first one he talks about here is wise. And what he says is, if you hear these words and you do them, if you hear these words and you do them, then you'll be a wise person. You'll be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came and it didn't fall. The reason why we've been talking over the last several weeks about hungering for holiness and having habits for holiness is because it's going to make you wise. And I don't know about you, I want to see God, but I also want to be wise. And the reason why I want to be wise is because the next part of the verse says, storms are coming. And I don't have to talk much about that now because we all live through 2020, right? We live through 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And now here we are in 2023. It's crazy to think about. We're now almost three years removed from the beginning part of what was now COVID that we know and the pandemic that happened. But I don't know if you realize it wasn't just one pandemic that happened, right? It was multiple pandemics. It wasn't just a pandemic of health. It was a pandemic of social unrest, right? If you remember all those things. Financially, it was all these storms that were coming. And what I can tell you now, it's not a question of if you're going to face storms. It's just a question of when. And what Jesus is saying here, remember, he just finished preaching this whole sermon. And he said, if you hear what I say and you do it. If you hear what I say and you do it. So if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you've heard what I've said. But the question now is, are you going to do it? Are you actually going to do what Jesus says for us to do, which is to hunger for it, to develop habits for it? Because if you do, you'll be wise. What's interesting about this word here, wise, it's the Greek word phrenis, and it means either the mind or even referring to your diaphragm which if you know, that's the muscular structure that helps you actually breathe as it contracts, it creates a vacuum on your lungs and that's how you breathe. And it, you know, kind of opens and closes. And the concept of it was wisdom was someone who was willing to be open to take in truth. 
What's very interesting to me is this word here, we use it in English. In fact, a word that you know, probably, I'm sure, the word schizophrenia. It is a disorder. And that second word is this same Greek word, but the first word means to be split. So it's the idea of having a split mind. Now, what does it mean to have a split mind? Or in one sense, to think of like being double-minded. What's very cool to me, and I say cool in just the sense of it's interesting, is to have a split mind is to hear something, but then not do it. To hear something, or worse yet, to say, oh, I believe that, but then not do it. There's no follow through, right? And so we might be more schizophrenic than we realize. We might be more split mind than we realize because we hear these words. And as I told you the very first week, how many of us know things that we should do, but we don't do them? Why? Because at the end of the day, our wants may be out of whack. But here's, I want to help you. And this message really, I felt like Pastor Dave and I were talking about this. I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of took me in a different direction than what I had originally thought that I was going to preach on this week. And I think the reason why is because I want this, again, to be extremely helpful to help you understand how to be a wise person. So what I want to do first, give you this point and then unpack it. This is what a wise person is. The wise, now listen to this, adjust themselves to the truth. The wise adjust themselves to the truth. So Jesus is preaching this sermon. He says, if you hear what I say and you do it, you'll be wise. If you receive this revelation, you receive this word and you do it, you'll be a wise person. So the best way I can sum this up, again, a lot of this came from just Henry Cloud under, helping me understand this, is a wise person is someone when the truth shows up in their life, they think, oh, I need to adjust myself to the truth. I need to change. I need to adjust. It's like when a light shows up, the light shows up or the light is turned on. I need to adjust to that, not pull the covers over my head, right? I need to be aware. I need to be open to, okay, here's the truth. Now I'm going to adjust to it. I'm going to give you five traits, and I've got these here on the screen, and I'll explain them as we go through them. Five traits of a wise person to help you understand this point. Number one. When given the truth, they consider it and they, uh, they consider it and listen in order to understand and make adjustments. They hear it, they consider it, they want to listen, understand, and make adjustments. Number two, when mistakes are pointed out, they own it and internalize it. I love this statement. The problem is inside them. Number three, your relationship is strengthened as they realize you care enough to speak the truth. So if you're saying the truth to a wise person, they actually thank you for it. Number four, they express concern that their behavior impacts others. Number five, they realize reality is their friend and that health comes from facing it. So those five traits are a way to help you understand a wise person is one when the truth shows up, they acknowledge it, and they adjust themselves according to the truth. What I find so interesting in this analogy that Jesus says is the one who hears these words and does them is like a wise man who builds his house. What I like about that analogy is 
Every single one of us here are building a house, metaphorically speaking. We're building a life, our own life. We're building a family, right? If you're married and you have children, you're building something. The question is not if you're building, it's just how are you building? And you wanna know how you're building, how you're gonna know how you're building well? is when the storms come and it doesn't fall. And I don't know about you, but I want to build a life that endures. I want to build a life that makes it through life storms. Again, going back to COVID, what I realized and a lot of people realized is just how much COVID broke people, broke them. And, and even now, people see the world drastically different than how they saw it. And I don't know how much you traveled since then, but there are completely different reactions to the same storm from different groups of people. Because for some, it really just rocked everything and showed that their life wasn't as secure and built on a rock as what they thought. Where am I going with all this? This is why it's so important to hear the words of Jesus, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to develop habits in your life. Because if you do that, Jesus says, you're wise. Now let's go on, Matthew chapter seven, verse 26 and 27. He says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Notice the difference here. Both groups heard the word. Both groups heard it. One group did something with it. The second group or the second man didn't do something with it. And Jesus calls him foolish. Foolish. I could say it like this on one level. You're foolish for not fasting if you're not fasting. There's a certain level of foolishness that comes along with hearing what Jesus is asking me to do and then not doing it. Jesus says, you're like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the storms came, it fell. And great was the fall of it. Let me give you the definition of a fool. It's the exact opposite of the, the wise, which shouldn't be a surprise to you. But the fool adjusts truth to themselves. See, the foolish person, when they hear these words, says, oh, I don't need to change myself. I need to adjust the truth to myself. Let me give you the five traits of a foolish person. When given truth, I've got these here on the screen as well, traits of a foolish person. Number one, when given truth, they become defensive and listen only in order to rebuttal and make you understand. Now, try really hard not to think of somebody as I'm talking about this. Because it might be you more than you realize, all right? And if you're thinking of somebody, I guarantee you somebody's thinking of you. So given the truth, they don't listen. They just listen enough to rebuttal and become defensive. Number two, when mistakes are pointed out, they blame, make excuses, or externalize. This is so key. The problem is outside them. Problem's not inside them. The problem's outside them. It's not my fault, teacher. The dog ate my homework, right? It's not my fault. It was traffic. It's not my fault. It's my parents. It's not my fault. It's the government. It's always outside them. Number three, 
If you tell somebody the truth and they're foolish, your relationship is weakened and distance is created because they assume you're attacking them. You're attacking them. Number four, they have little awareness their behavior impacts others. And number five, I love this one. They have an allergy to reality. They have an allergy to reality. That, I mean, that's probably one of the best phrases I've ever heard. And they think health comes from avoiding it. What is an allergy? I looked it up, and the very first definition says an abnormal reaction of your body, right? Something comes in, something foreign comes in, and you're allergic to it. Well, here's the key. Foolish people are allergic to reality. Foolish people are experts at hearing what they want to hear and not accepting reality. Here's a key, and I'm not a counselor, but Henry Cloud, who came up with this, is here's a key truth for your life. Accept reality. Whatever it is, no matter how hard it is, you may call reality a number on a scale, right? You may call reality the status of a relationship. You may call reality anxiety that you're feeling over something. Whatever reality is, no matter how harsh it is, I want you to hear me say this, and I want you to start to believe this. Reality is your friend. Why? Because unless you face where you are, you can't get to where you want to be. Remember, we've been talking about once. We've been talking about desires. If you want to see God, if you want to experience all God has for you, then you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, here's what I know. You can't get to where you want if you don't start where you are. And this is huge to people. This is like mind-blowing. I'm gonna make you realize how smart I am. You can't start where you're not. You can't start where you're not. You can only start where you are. But so many of us, we never get started. We never experience the full power of transformation because we just can't accept reality for where we are. See, a foolish person makes up a reality. A foolish person lives in a fantasy world, which is really kind of funny to me when I think about, you know, worlds that we create like on video games. One of the taglines of Sony is reality. Or we even talk about the concept of virtual reality. Nothing is less real than that right? I mean, how many of us, when it comes to, you want to know why online stuff is so pervasive? Because you can be a fake person. You can project something that you want to be, but you're not. And here's what's crazy. You might actually have the potential to be what you want to be, if you'll just face where you are. Just face where you are. And I'm giving you these two concepts of wise and fool because I want you to understand something. What Jesus is talking about here says, if you hear these words of mine and you do them, you do them, you will be wise. Truth comes to you the truth of, man, I really need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I really need to develop habits in my life. That's the truth. That's the truth. I didn't say it. Jesus said it, right? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the truth. 
Well, when that truth shows up in your life, what's your MO? To adjust yourself according to the truth? Man, this is true. This is what I need to do. So I'm going to do it. Jesus says, you're wise. But when the truth shows up, is your MO not to adjust yourself, but to adjust the truth? Jesus says, you're a fool. I didn't say you were a fool. Jesus did. Jesus said, you're like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And when the storms came, it fell. And then there's this one line, and great was the fall of it. Think about it this way. I don't know if you think about this much. You probably do if you have children or family. One of the biggest reasons why God, I think, put it in my heart, I know specifically, to hunger and thirst for righteousness and develop habits we talked about this when we talked about the legacy series a while back. Is I know the patterns that I develop, my kids will develop. The hunger for holiness that I display in my home, my kids have an opportunity to display. See, what a foolish person doesn't understand is if you adjust the truth and you're not willing to change or allow the Holy Spirit to transform you, the fall of your life won't just affect you. The reason why this fall is so great is because the foolish man was building a house. And other people live in that house. Other family members live in that house. I mean, think about in your own families, the devastation that is, that is created from people who aren't willing to change from people who aren't willing to allow God to transform them because maybe it's a lifestyle of addiction. Maybe it is, you know, generational things that have been passed down and you just treat your wife the way that you saw your dad treat your mom and, or right, or you just, this is how we did it back then. We were so dysfunctional. I don't know anything else. This is just dysfunction. So I just repeat what I was patterned into. But here's a key component that I want you to think about. This is what really kind of blows me away. What makes a wise person wise is when the truth shows up, they realize how they were foolish in the past. So a wise person actually can admit their foolishness. But the opposite is, opposite. I don't know what that word is, but the opposite of a foolish person is true. Why? See, a foolish person can't admit that they're fools. In fact, they actually try to act like they're wise. They try to act like they're wise. They're wise. The Bible says they're wise in their own eyes. So here's the encouragement today. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking about your own life and you're feeling more like a fool, you're probably more wise than you realize. But if you're sitting here today and you actually think that you're wise, you're probably more foolish than you realize. You see what I'm saying here? That's what's crazy. Because all of us are fools, every single one of us. It's only by the grace of God that we go from being foolish to being wise. In fact, that's what church is all about. Church is just a bunch of former fools helping current fools. Right? That's our entire group strategy here at Revolution Church. If you want to be a group leader, just admit that you're a former fool. Now you're wise and you can help current fools become wise. Right? That's the whole group strategy. So groups are just wise people helping out foolish people hopefully to become wise. All of our ministries, kids' ministries, trying to prevent them from becoming foolish, right? Pseudo ministry, trying to convince them they're actually not wise. 
right? They're right on that cusp of foolishness and wise, and they're full of it all, right? And, and listen, I've worked in kids' ministry. I've worked in student ministry. And I used to think when I was in student ministry that when I left that and went into adult ministry that I would deal with far less drama. Because in student ministry, you know, when you're dealing with students, they'll tell you if they like you or not, if they, they think you're dumb or not, right? And even they'll say it to you in your sermons. They talk to each other, talk back to you. And then when I began adult ministry, I'm like, oh, thank goodness people actually sit there and listen. And then I realized a lot of times they ain't listening either, just more polite. And it's not less drama, it's like multiply drama. Because in middle school, right, it's just, you know, dating drama. But in adults, it's divorce drama. And one of the hardest things to get people to realize is their foolishness. Why? Because it takes humility to admit that. It takes a certain level of honesty for when the truth shows up to say, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. When the truth shows up, this could be your boss telling you something. This could be your spouse telling you something. This could be your parent telling you something. This could be your pastor telling you something. When the truth shows up, do you understand how much humility it takes to say, oh my gosh, I've been foolish. I've been adjusting the truth to myself. Here's what's so crazy about adjusting truth to yourself. It's like going into your scale. You know, the old scales, you could almost reset zero. I don't know if you can do it on digital ones, but on the analog ones, you could reset zero. So you could make zero like 20 pounds or less, right? So if you're adjusting zero, you're ignoring reality, you're foolish. Listen, not only are you not helping yourself, you're hurting yourself. Because you're living in a make-believe world, hurting yourself, not realizing that your foolishness is actually leading to a fall that's going to hurt others. Because when the crash comes down, it ain't just going to affect you. And so the whole point of this message this week is to really kind of tag off of the last two weeks' messages, like I said, is the devastating consequences of not hungering for holiness and developing habits for holiness is we become foolish if we don't do them, and our foolishness leads to falls. How many times do we have to see great women and great men that we thought were so good and their life was ruined by some ridiculous decision, right? They made, a, they made a decision in the moment that they never thought that they would make and everything comes crashing down. They ruin a marriage, they ruin a job because a lack of character. Well, here's what I want you to see. It wasn't that one decision that one day that led to the fall. Watch this. It was a lack of habits prior to that. It was from a lack of holiness, a lack of hunger prior to that. See, that's what I'm trying to get you to see. Is a wise person, when the truth shows up, adjusts themselves because they understand if they don't, if they don't adjust themselves to the truth, if they don't realize, oh my gosh, I'm on the wrong path. Oh my gosh, I'm actually way more than I thought because I was living on a fake scale. I was living on my own scale. And this, if this is not a message for 21st century America, I don't know what is. Because now when we talk about truth, we're like, what truth? Your truth or my truth? No, 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 no. Ain't no such thing as your truth or my truth. It's just truth. And then there's lies. So what if your truth is a lie? 
And you've been living in that lie because you're allergic to reality, because you're afraid to face where you are. But if you don't face where you are, you'll never get to where you want to be. And it will actually have devastating consequences in your life and those around you that you love. Look at the last two verses. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. It says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Astonished. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribe. Astonished means utterly amazed. Utterly amazed. Let me ask this question. When's the last time you've been astonished at something Jesus said to you? When's the last time you were just utterly amazed at the words of Jesus. But let me go one step further. When's the last time you weren't just astonished at the words of Jesus, but you just, but you also submitted yourself to the authority of the words of Jesus? See, being astonished is not enough. That's the starting point. I'm so astonished that you said this, Jesus. And this is what's crazy. The astonishing thing is Jesus just said we're all fools. If we don't do what he says. So the astonishment leads to a submission to the authority of Jesus. But here's the promise. Here's the catch. If you'll be astonished at the words of Jesus and you'll submit to the authority of the words of Jesus, you'll be wise. And you'll build a life. You'll build a family. You'll build a legacy. You'll build a church that will endure, that won't fall. Because it can withstand the storms of life. So as we're now one week into this fast, I want to encourage you. The reason why we're doing this, the reason why we're fasting, reading our Bibles and praying is because we are storm proofing our lives. We're storm proofing our marriages. We're storm-proofing our homes. I mean, when a storm rose in, I don't know if you've lived in an area where you get hurricanes, but I was living in South Texas when Hurricane Katrina was supposed to come, well, when it did come through, but it was on a direct path to my, my hometown, not my hometown, but the town in which I lived. I mean, it was on like a direct path. And if you remember that, there was a high-pressure system that moved over, and as soon as that moved over, it went just like this. Well, before it went just like this, I went just like this. And I had all these, because in South Texas, whenever you buy a home, you get hurricane clips. You put the hurricane clips on your windows and you get boards and you board up your entire house. Not boarded up my entire house. We packed our cars. And here's what's crazy. When Hurricane Katrina turned north and unfortunately hit New Orleans, we didn't get a drop of rain. Like not even a drop of rain from that storm. But what's worse? Preparing for a storm and it doesn't come. Or not preparing for a storm and it does come. I mean, I had to do some extra work to take all the boards off, to take all the hurricane clips off, fill the holes where I drilled into the wood of my house and repaint some stuff. I mean, it took me a day. But what kind of devastation was occurring in people's lives that were not prepared? And so we're doing this season of prayer and fasting and worship 
as a way to hunger, develop habits. And also, we'll talk more about this next week, to humble ourselves. See, it takes humility to admit, God, I've been so foolish. I have been so foolish. But now that the truth is showing up, what are you going to do with it? Adjust yourself to the truth? Or keep playing games and adjust the truth to yourself? Quit being allergic to reality or accepting it. Here's one of the best realities we can accept. Man, I'm not near as holy as I thought. It amazes me how Christians act so much holier in certain areas of their life. They look down at other people in such, I mean, really, such arrogance. I don't know about you, but the biggest reason why I try really hard not to look down at other people is because I know how foolish I am. And so as we wrap this up, this is one fool talking to a group of other fools saying, by the grace of God, let's become wise. Let's pray. Father, thank you. As I say every week, thank you for Jesus. But thank you as well for the reality that he brought to us. The reality of we're fools. We have fallen. I mean, we even talk about the sin of Adam and Eve as the fall. And every single one of us are their children and we were born into the fall. No wonder we fall, because the foolish fall. But God, thank you. By your grace, fools can become wise. Lost people can become found. Dead people can be made alive. If we're simply willing to accept reality and quit playing games, so God, I pray right now for anybody who is here who has understood maybe for the first time that they are fallen, they are sinful, and they need to be saved. Pray that you would save them. Nobody looking around or talking is always both locations. If you're here today and you maybe for the first time understand how foolish you are, you haven't accepted the reality that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. You're foolish and you want to become wise. You're dead and you want to be alive. And today you can trust Christ and be saved. So if that's you, you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud. And I say this every week. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just simply a confession to God. Maybe for the first time, this is you accepting reality. So if that's you, you can pray with me. It goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. That you sent your son, Jesus, because I had fallen. But he took my sin, paid for its penalty, And so, God, I ask you to put my sin on him. Give his righteousness to me. Save me. Forgive me. Thank you for loving me. I'm trusting in Jesus alone. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if that was you today and you're in one of our physical locations, would you just simply lift up your hand so we can see you? We got men and women going to walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put your hand down. Thank you. But then those of us who've trusted Christ, 
You know, just because you have been saved doesn't mean you don't still act a fool. And maybe in this fast, God is beginning to reveal some of your foolishness. Maybe in this fast, you gave up food again. And God's been saying to you, food has a hold on you. Maybe your health is so out of whack because you live a life that is so out of whack and so unhealthy. Well, use this season to accept reality. Quit adjusting the scale of truth in your life and playing games with yourself because you're only hurting yourself. But maybe it's not just physically. Maybe it's emotionally. You just haven't been able to accept the reality that you're not as mature as you thought. You're not as far as long as you thought. Or maybe you're in relationships that you don't need to be in. And you just haven't accepted reality. Listen, hope is not a strategy. Habits are a strategy. And foolish people need consequences in order to change. Because when the truth shows up, they just change the truth. So guess what? Telling people the truth that are foolish doesn't work. You got to have consequences. External structures that you add into it. So I don't know what it is for you. I know God has been revealing some things to me and just some areas of my life I've been acting a fool in. And I don't want my foolishness to lead to a fall. And so I pray as God speaks to you that you would accept reality. Man, I need to change. Because you want to be wise, you want to see God. And so God is asking you to hunger and develop some habits of health. Let's move towards health in 2023. Let's move towards wisdom. Let's accept the truth and let it change us. Father, I pray that you would bless these words in our lives. God, we're all foolish, but we want to be wise. We want to allow the truth to change us, to transform us. Thank you for Jesus again. And help us by your spirit to do these words, to do what we've heard, to hunger for holiness, to develop habits for holiness, God, so that we can build a life that is stormproof. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.